Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is uh, 7-10-2022. We're continuing where we left off in our service with the thought of the week and prayer. All right. Thought of the week. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made them know. The King James or the Trust a Father's side as a closer. This is closer to the actual meaning, which is a metaphor to illustrate how close the Son is to the Father. He is so close that the scripture says, No one has ever seen God in this way. This implies implies even more than proximity, relationship, and fellowship. The relationship between the father and the son is so exclusive. Of course, the Holy Spirit is there too. But he is not the subject here. Imagine that. No man or angel has ever been in this position to see and experience the purposes of God in this way. The eternal purpose revolves around admitting others into the exclusive circle. The eternal plan is how God accomplished that purpose. It involves all that he has to do in order to rightly achieve his will. Jesus said, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows the Father is the test of son. To those to, the, to those to whom the son chooses to reveal him, a special relationship and fellowship is implied here. And it is said to whom the son chooses to reveal him. It is just as Jesus declared he would do for the disciples for the dawn of his thirsty. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You take it back to the fact where the, the fellow Jewish leadership, they got bad at Christ. When he made a statement saying that he is, you know, he didn't really say it, but they took it that way, which implies that he is of the father. And they everybody is saying that he's not uh, 33 years or age. You're not old yet. You see Abraham? So he was thinking, uh, he was telling them that who he was, but they, they, they refused to acknowledge him as him being God. So this is what I get out of the thought of the week. And uh, so, um, we look going to details with this after God give us his prayer and all we go through the service. So just so I get out of the photo of the week. Thank you, David. Amen. Thank you, Dave, uh, for uh, thought of the week and your thoughts. I will um we will look to God in prayer. And asking I'm asking if there are any special prayer requests. Before I begin, okay, we will continue. Let's let's look to God. Father, thank you so much for this hour that we have, where we are able to look away from our thoughts, away from our concerns, our ambitions, and look to you, Father, for your will, your purpose, and your plan. We thank you for those who have joined. We thank you for Word is Truth, wherever they may be, uh, those, those that are here, those that are not here. We're praying for them and their families. We want to also lift up in prayer those of us among us who are sick. Uh, I think of uh, Dave's daughter, Lenora. I think of Dwight's ex-wife. Uh, we're thinking about Misty this morning. Um, 
we're thinking about uh, and, and praise um, a new baby that has graced us as well. Uh, Janae, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure what the baby's name is at this point. I know it's so brand new. But, uh, Lord, we, we have much to be thankful for in this life. And we can only think about your grace and your calling from eternity past. You thought of us. And as we're sitting here thinking of you, knowing that you thought of us, it is awesome to think about that you knew us before the universe was created. So Father, all we want to do in this life, now that we know this, is to love you back and to show that we're thinking of you and your thoughts and your purpose. So we pray as we open your word and study and think about these things that uh, are about us, that you give us wisdom, that your Holy Spirit will continue to lead and guide us into all truth. We thank you for those who are here, and we pray that all of us may have the fellowship that fosters us knowing you better. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so... We are, we're in John 17 and 21. <clears throat> we're going to get right to it. 17, 21, we, this is our third swing at it. It reads, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. As we begin to dig into the special calling Jesus is praying about, we can see the familiar dynamics introduced earlier. To note, these dynamics were new to the disciples' ears. Never has any believer had the unique access to the members of the Godhead. Quote, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That's Ephesians 3.12. We must ask ourselves, since God has graced us with so much, who exactly are we? I like this thought from Job, quote, What is mankind that you make so much of, it, of them, that you give them so much attention, Job 17, 17. One unique feature of man is that we are created in the image of God, Genesis 1, And this seems to be a good place to start. So this is our uh, breakdown of John 17, 21. I know exactly where we are. We're in point number two. And we're trying to get down to, to the thoughts of um, what it means to be uh, mutually, or what it means to have mutual possession. There is a lot I could talk about, uh, but we would have to just trust that you are taking the initiative, that this is progressive, and that you know we continue. We're going to have to continue on. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue on, but I will do some review. So I'll start at two point I. To I, and uh, we'll review some of that, and then we'll get on to where we are in K. So I says, one then is a reference to mutual possession, also modeled by Paul. So we talked about Galatians 2.20. We discussed how Paul was crucified with Christ and he was still alive, even though he was crucified. But he says the life he lives is not the same life he had before. And he lives by faith in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. So we did stop to talk about 
mutual possession. We, we took a little time to understand the dynamics of it. And, um, and that's point J. In this dynamic, one person possesses the life of the other person for the facilitation of the Father's plan. For us, it is positional from day one, but it is, it is experienced by our humility and submission to the plan. We talked about its inception, and we talked about the, the means by which the Spirit makes this aware, makes us aware of what He has done. So the mutual possession is something that happens by means of the baptism of the Spirit. We established that earlier where the Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. But what is also true, this is what Jesus is telling us, is not only are we in Him, but He and the Father are in us. So, and we talked about mutual position, possession as having uh, positional, and experiential implications. Well, positional means no matter what, the day you were born again, the day you were saved, this happened, the baptism of the Spirit. It began to happen for those who uh, were from Pentecost until, obviously, the rapture of the church, which has not happened yet. That's the range of time where this phenomenon is going on. This phenomenon we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which takes us ordinary human beings, fallen in Adam, and takes us out of what we were. <clears throat> we are no longer identified with Adam, and we are now identified with the Lord who is from heaven. So this happens for every single person, positionally speaking, in this age. So that is us. That is everybody who is, who is under the sound of my voice at this particular time in 2022. You are positionally in Christ. And that means, well, where, is, where is Christ right now? He is seated at the right hand of God, which means the place of highest honor in the heavenly realms, far above all principality and power and dominion and t every title or any title that can be named in now or in any future. This is the highest place there is. There's no place higher than this to be raised to. And that is positionally where we belong in the heavenly realms. Christ said as much when he left. He says, I am going there to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. And then what happens? Pentecost comes, where we are ushered right into the heavenly realms, positionally speaking. Experientially, it has experiential implications as well, as we discussed last time where you come to know this information gradually by the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you into all truth. So there is a lot going on, a lot of moving parts here. I don't want to simplify it to the point where it's some nice neat bundle of information. I'm trying to do my best to do that, but there is a lot of information. But the more you grow, the greater your capacity to understand the complexity that is here, right here in the scriptures in front of you. So when Christ makes these types of statements, do we just dismiss them and say, oh, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. We don't just say things like that. God is telling us something that is profound, that is mind-blowing, mind-altering even. So do, do we dismiss that as, oh, well, you know, maybe we'll just go along our way. That was nice to know. Thank you, God, for telling me that. Or does it affect you? Do you believe it as the disciples were struggling with? Believe me, Jesus said, 
when I tell you that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Believe me. If you don't believe that, if you don't just believe me, then believe for the sake of the very works you have seen. You know I can't do those things as a human being. You know the Father is in me just on the evidence of the works themselves. You know that. So, we are here to talk about these things. We're, Spirit of Truth sounds like we need to be get our pencils and books, notebooks out because it sounds like learning is getting ready to happen. This is not somewhere where we're just going to clap our hands and just, oh, let's get into this praise mode. Jesus is telling us to get your notebooks out, get your pencils and paper out because we've got to learn some things. And I'm not making any apologies for that. I'm saying these are things that we have to make sure we understand the mode and the temp, the, the temperature here so that we don't get the wrong idea. And then we're thinking about some, some praise and excitement and entertainment when God is thinking, well, let me focus on teaching you something. When the spirit of truth comes, he will lead and guide you into all truth. Well, I think that's setting the tone for the church age because the spirit of truth is here and there is a lot for him to teach us okay so that mutual possession that's positional experiential is where you gradually at at the time you are that's why he says keep your this is experiential keep your looking on things above not on earthly things well why because christ in you is him and the father using your life that is here on earth because you've positionally this is what mutual possession is he, he's in us but but experientially we begin to experience the presence of the father and christ in us and they are actually living our lives in this world they're the ones pulling the strings they're the ones who are uh giving us the proper motivation for what we should be doing here. So that's experiential, where they are in control. They Just like with Christ, Christ says, it's not me, it's the Father. The Father's the one. In fact, the very words I'm saying to you are the Father's words, Christ said. But it's the same thing that's going to be about us, is that the more we give ourselves to them, the more they take. On the other side of it, our minds are on things above. Well, what's the things above? Well, the depths of the Father's plan. Notice above and depths. I don't know if that... So I said the heights of the Father's plan? Because really, the more we can grasp what is given us, as according to Ephesians 3, the height, the depth, the width, the length of the Father's plan. All of that is for us to look above, not below, not on earthly things. So the more we do that, the more we learn. And the more we give, the, the, they give of themselves to us. And all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge about who we are and what we will be and what God's initial motivation for us was and how that all works out from the creation of all things and who we are, all of that, is who we are in Christ. <clears throat> that is us exploring the side of us in him. Him in us is him living out our lives, which may result, should I say, in suffering for Christ in this world. Just as Christ suffered, we will suffer. He even says, you, if you will come after me, take up pick up your cross and follow me if you will you're not going to get away from this there's, there's no um, well Christ went that way I'm gonna cut around this corner and that way I won't I'm going the same place but I'm not going the same way no 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 there's no way around it if they crucified him if they hated him they're gonna hate you too because he's in you 
and you are gradually giving him the reins of your life through this mutual possession. All right? So there's a lot more that could be said here. And I can't say it all. Some of it has to be conversational. Some of it has to be question and answer or just discussion. I'll leave that to you as to what you want to discuss about it. Talk about it. Think about it. Let this occupy what your thoughts are because this is the meat that if you would if you would have meat to grow, this is what the meat is. If you don't want to talk about it, okay, I understand that. And we will not talk about it. It is up to you to where you want to, uh, where you are in your spiritual life. I'm here to talk about wherever you are, and we can push you on to wherever our God is, is leading you. Point K in our notes. Point K. Now, this is, we did not cover this yet. So here we are. We're about 20 minutes in, but we're at point K. For instance, the Father possessed the life of Jesus, and Jesus possessed the life of the Father. And this is what I meant by mutual possession. We're in it. We're discussing it. So I say explain further. What did I, what, what, I kind of explained it already, hopefully. And we, we were going to talk about it in terms of how did it work for Christ. Okay, so some examples. Point one, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. That's John 3.35. So when it says the Father loves the Son, it, he's not just saying emotionally, I just love him. What he's saying is he prefers the Son. He has chosen the Son. And he's the Son because... And his love represents his choice to place the son in this position. That's what his love represents. The father loves the son. And what does that mean? He has placed everything in his hands. Now, he loves the son. It says, you love me from before time began. This is what Christ says. And we didn't get to that verse yet in our context, but we will. But that is, him loving the son before time began, is a reference to the fact that the Son was chosen to be in this particular role. Imagine if the Father had chosen the Holy Spirit for this role. We'd be talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we wouldn't be talking about the Son. Or maybe we would, but we would be calling him Son. But no, the way it is, is the way it happened, and this is what we're dealing with. Jesus Christ was the one from eternity. And that's what he said as much in John 17, verse 5. I'll just read that again. It says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So this is not a stretch. Jesus understood this, that he there was something going on with the Father before the world began. This was in the planning stage where not only did they come to what, what they wanted to do, but they put their divine stamp of approval and decree on what they decided they are going to do. So that's point one. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Right? So this is, how does, by the Father placing things in Christ's hands, that means this role that he is playing as the son. Not only does he have to go to the cross, pay for the sins of the world, and be the focal point for anyone who believes and is saved, but the son would also fulfill the role where we are conformed into his very image. Right? That whole baptism of the spirit, and we are predestined to be conformed to the image of the plan of, that Jesus is going to be the very one of whom we take our precedence. That is unique. So, point two. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Well, again, this is 
basically the same thing, but Christ is acknowledging it. That's John 16, 15a, all that belongs to the Father. What do you mean, all that belongs to the Father is mine? It means he's talking about the Father's eternal purpose. Part of the plan is that all things will be given to the, into the hands of the Son. He is the Lord. So it could just be that, oh, we're just worshiping the Father. But no, we're worshiping the Father and the Son. The Father is Lord. And the Son, I'm sorry, the Son is our Lord. But the Father is always there. He is giving everything over to the Son. What do we mean everything? His plan. His eternal purpose. It all rests on the shoulders of Christ. If I were to go to here in Ephesians chapter 3 and look at, oh, verse, I think it is, um, where is it? Here, 11. All of this is according to his eternal purpose. That's the Father's eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So notice it's all tied up. What the Father planned would be executed by means of the Son right? and revealed by means of God the Holy Spirit. So this is what Christ means when he says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. Well, all what's, what belongs to the Father? He's talking about his eternal purpose. And what's Christ? Now all of that is on the shoulders of Christ. Point three. All I have is yours. And all you have is mine. So that's John 17, 10a. So again, uh, you see examples of what it means for one person to possess the life of the other. So God the Father, uh, up to this point, had not revealed what was in his heart. And we saw that verse in the Thought of the Week about um, no one has seen the Father not, except the Son. God, who is the Son, has made him known. And, you know, he reveals him to whom he will reveal him. So all of that is to say that the Father had some information that was hidden. We understand now that is the mystery. And he revealed it to Christ. And then through Christ, through him, we come to know the Father's plan. All I have is yours. So what does Christ have? He had his life here on earth. He had his person, right? He's the Lord from heaven. He came to earth, and not only did he pay for the sins of the world, as I already said, but he is the very pattern to which we are conformed into his image. So notice the mutual possession there in John seventeen ten, And verse 4, uh, number 4, that is, that's K4. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That's Matthew eleven twenty seven, which also talks about the mutual possession, and not only just the mutual possession, but this information that the Father's plan that was hidden from ages and past generations, but is now beginning to be revealed through the Son. <coughs> and, and that was true, excuse me. The Son did not choose to reveal the Father's plan prior to this, but he does reveal it to chosen ones. And who are they? The disciples. The disciples are given the introduction to the Father's eternal purpose in Christ. This is why Christ says, All that belongs to the Father is mine, and I'm making it known to you. Right? And who did who is he revealing it to? The disciples. Point five. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. That's John 1.18, another profound verse that speaks of uh, the closeness that Jesus is to the Father. Why? Because he loved him before time began. That meant 
he chose him for this position and uh, in this closest relationship he's the one that has made him known the things that the father has hid in his heart right the manifold wisdom of god right all of that has kept been kept hidden in god who created all things says ephesians 3 9. so all of this speaks of the aspects of mutual possession how christ is so close to the father he gains access to all of the father's information how now he is able to reveal that information to those, uh, as we know, as it plays out, to the disciples. And by extension, us, as we already read in verse 20, I am also talking about those who will believe in me through their message. So, point L. We just finished K. We're at L. We have the mind of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 2.16, right? It's available to us. Now, when we talk about our mind, the mind of Christ, that is all of this information that was hidden in the Father, it is now in Christ. This is also called the deep things of God. It is also called the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. All of this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's finish it. So we have the mind of Christ, and our experience here depends on our being transformed into his image. Or notice our experience. So it's true that all of this belongs to us. We have the mind of Christ. It's available. It, it creates us this position for us where we are raised up and seated with him in the heavenly realms. But our renewing our minds helps us understand that at this point. So when it says we've been given the deposit, it means we have a small portion of what we uh, will have in the future. So the deposit is not just, oh, um, you know, some, some place where, um, you know, we, we have some money put aside for us. The deposit is the Holy Spirit himself who is leading and guiding us into all truth. So this can only happen by the renewing of our minds. And even now, we can, quote, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's Ephesians 4.24. So that's point L. <clears throat> Hopefully there's a lot of scriptures in there that we covered in the past um, and hopefully you can if you're not sure how I put all that together just go back and look at those scriptures make sure you see that they do apply to what we're talking about so point number three may they also be in us let's put this whole thing together it says that all of them may be one father just as you are in me and I am in you this next phrase, may they also be in us. Okay, so this, let's look at this point number three, is may they also be in us. First thought is, so our relationship with Jesus in this new way extends to another person, the Father. Right, so when we think about be in us, so it's not just that we are in Christ. <clears throat> That's one aspect of it. <coughs> Excuse me. But we, we want a result of our relationship with Jesus in this way means it is also opened the door for us to have a relationship with the Father. Right? And just a couple verses, John 14, 23. Let's go back and read it. I think we got to take some time to make sure we establish these points. So, well, um, we could start reading in verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them. Well, actually, 20. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I, will, I too will love them 
and show myself to them. So that's where it sets the stage of the relationship between us and Christ. But 1423 establishes now that the Father is a part of it for sure. Well, the Father and I will love them in verse 21, but in verse 23 it says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. <clears throat> so it's not just that Jesus is going to be at home in our hearts as we have come to fully submit to this new information, this new theology, but the Father, because this new theology comes from the Father. This new theology is from the Father. They, they will both be at home in us. Now, being at home in us, that, that's not just a play on words. That is literal, where we're talking about the spiritual dynamics of this age. This mutual possession is not some something that, okay, we believe it by faith. It's real. Like, God literally made changes to us. He had to take us out of Adam and unite us with the person of Christ. This fulfills the plan where he says he would be predestined us to be conformed to the very image of his son. Now, predestination is a word that takes us back to eternity past when God planned this whole thing <clears throat> initially. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, here we are. Ephesians 4 and 6 also talks about this. So 4, 6 says, that, well, I can go back to 4, 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. He's on, this is all in the church now. Uh, who is over all and through all and in all. Wow. I think every base is covered there. The base that I was thinking about, what the Father is in us, just like it said in John 14, 23. He's in us. This is, this is not something we can just sweep under the rug and keep going. This happened. And whatever happens, you are walking around with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in you if you're a believer in Christ, if you're saved. This is true of you, no matter what. I don't care what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, whoever you are, whatever going on, is this spiritual dynamic is operational within you. God owns you. You are the temple of the living God. You could That's another way of saying it. Your, your body is the temple of the living God because you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in you. All of that is true. So Ephesians 4, 6, may they also be in us. Now, this new dynamic, as I used to take time to read through all of Paul's openings, this is the Apostle Paul, and he would grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we did not have that in the Old Testament. But Paul is not only cognizant of this spiritual dynamic but he is using it as an understanding and a, the reality of of life he when he just he didn't say thank you god he's saying i'm telling you this is god the father and the lord jesus christ and you can go through yourself and look at all of paul's books what he acknowledges, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father. Just look at the first few verses of all of his writings, and all of the books that he has in the New Testament. And he acknowledges, why does he do that? Because you would think, well, Christ is Lord. We report to Christ, don't we? Yes, but you should know. And Christ even was very uh, transparent about this. 
He said, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I'm telling you this. He's made this information known to me, known to me so it also pertains to you. John 16. So it's important that we integrate the Father's plan into our lives. This is why we are here in this world. We're not here to worry about what's going on with Israel, what happened with Israel, all that, right? To the extent that it affects us, yes, but not to the extent that we we can or we're going to become an Israelite or we're converting to Judaism or something. None of that is a point. We're not under the law. We're not of the world. And we can take it a step further. We belong somewhere else. Not in this world. It'll never be for us. This is the God is the one who chose us from eternity past to be here right now. By us focusing on something else, we diminish what God has done <clears throat> and called us to from eternity past. By our focus and preoccupation with other things. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So that's important for us to think about those things. Point B, 3B to where we are. The Father directed the thoughts and teachings of Jesus. So you should know how the Father was in Christ, right? It was not only teachings and thoughts, but we know it's the works too. John 12, let's look at these verses, 49 and 50. So it says here, <clears throat> For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. So there it is. Jesus is really acknowledging that the Father is in him. This is how it all works. right? When he speaks, he's speaking the Father's plan. It's not his plan. It's not what his thoughts are. He's not revealing the innermost thoughts of his own heart. What he's revealing is the Father's thoughts. What are the innermost thoughts of the Father? He says, I'm not, it's not my own. In other words, I, could, I have my own, but this, what I'm telling you, when it comes to my teaching, it's not about me. Verse 50, I know that his command leads to eternal life. What's his command? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. I, I think that should be the preference whenever we read that, and Jesus said, and Jesus spoke, and Jesus, we should uh, make sure we remember these two verses because Jesus is telling us right up front he's not taking credit for the super superior wisdom or you know we look at oh boy did, boy did he handle those Pharisees boy did he put them in place man every time the Pharisees ran up to him and thought they had him he was able to you know point out some point of doctrine where they were false they were off yeah you know not the scriptures you err Right. Well, that, here we should see that that is the Father. Jesus is saying, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me, he's the one who's speaking through me. Now we're, now we're understanding what it takes for that side of mutual possession to work. See, it, it's submission to the Father's plan. Jesus could say, yeah, I, the Father said that, but let me tell you what I say. No, he, he never says that. Well, there's one point where he says, I know what your will is, but I'm asking, is there another way? Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will be done. That's what he always follows it up with. But Jesus Christ was in a crucible of suffering at that point. And he did it. You could see his will... And you could see the Father's will. And you could see the mindset of Jesus. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will. Right? 
this, I do not speak on my own, but what the Father who sent me. I love the Father. I do exactly as the Father has commanded me. You could see his mindset in that. Point B, this is uh, 1249 and 50, and then 1424 is where we want to look at for that thought. 1424 says... Anyone who does not love me, in other words, you're not devoted, you're not listening to what I'm saying. And what, what is Christ saying here? He's saying, he's introducing to them the Father's eternal purpose. He's preparing them for this new age that is about to dawn. And for them to turn away from him at this point, to not be devoted to what he says, to not keep what, obey his teachings, right, and so forth then it will be them, them saying, I don't want the Father's plan. That would be just like the Pharisees when, when they tried to stone him. Christ said, don't you believe that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father? Don't you? you don't, if you don't believe it, then believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Christ did not come on his own. So in 1424, he says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. My teaching. That's, that is clear. Those words you hear, these words you hear, are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. What words? Well, he just got finished telling us about this fantastic spiritual dynamic that is about to occur on Pentecost, on that day, you will realize, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Well, he, he, in 24, he says, hey, if you don't love me, you won't obey my teaching. And these words you hear are not my own. It's not my teaching that you're rejecting. It's God's. They belong to the Father who sent me. You know, in some way, in some small, infinitesimal way, I know what this feels like. So I have given the gospel, and I've done my best to maintain the grace offer of salvation, which is not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Right? I've done my best to reflect that in my speech, and people cannot understand grace. They just will not listen to what the scripture says. And so what happens is they turn and they fight me. I found that people want to persecute me. Oh yeah, well what church you belong to? Oh yeah, well where do you get that information? Well, why do you say that? Well, I bet you you're this and I bet you're that. I'm like, why are you... Why are you attacking me? I almost want to say, these words you hear are not my own. They're in the scriptures. I just quoted you what the scripture said. Why are you all upset about what the scripture says? So really, your problem is not with me. It's with the teaching that is the Bible, not me. That's God. So that's why I said, in a very small way, I can understand where Jesus is saying here anyone who does, does not love me will not obey my teaching these words you hear are not my own they belong to the father who sent me yeah I can understand it a little bit but Jesus is at a, much, a, a way different level but point C the father's teaching through Christ and through the spirit of truth will also be our meat John 16, 15, let's look at it. Let's, uh, 15 says, All that belongs to the Father is mine. And we already talked about the mutual possession. That is why I said, The Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Now, make known to you goes back to uh, verse 12 and 13, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. Christ didn't speak on his own, but the Father spoke through him. He will speak only what he hears, 
and he will tell you what is yet to come. But here in 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Sounds complex, but it's really not. It's their method of communication. Right? It's how each member of the Trinity has a role to play and how we receive the information from the Father. It was hidden, then uh, it was deposited in Christ, and he, that was the role, and now the Holy Spirit is going to take from Christ and make it known to us. Right? That's how we receive it. So, so that's important for us to note. And then Ephesians 1, uh, 17 and 18. Let's look at that one. What does that add to what we're saying? Here, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. I keep asking that the God of our, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, notice who, Paul is on his knees. He's praying. The God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. Now, it's interesting because once Paul understood the method of communication and how we receive it. But he also now acknowledges that this information comes from the Father. It, it, it belongs to the Father. He's the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. He made, what, okay, so what is it? What is he going to give us? A thrill? We're going to be ecstatic? What? What are we going to get? He may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Note it. It's not that we know the world or we know lottery numbers or I'm being silly, but, but the spirit of wisdom and revelation, even so, so that we may know him better. Who's him? It's the Father. How do we know the Father? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So Paul is putting all of that together and in his prayer of acknowledging the Father through the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He basically codifies all of that information into one and shows you what it means and what he's praying for. We may know him better. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. See, so like I told you, something has happened to you. You are not the same. You can look around at other people, but you're not like them. There's, God has made a change. You are part of the new creation. You're not, even though you look like, you sound like, you might even smell like, the other people down here, you're not like them. God, when he looks at them, is somebody he doesn't see the same when he looks at you. Because you're different. You're a new creation. So that's why it is for us to come to the knowledge of what God has done. Now, of course, we may never, I'm not saying we, but people who are in this position may never come to this knowledge. They may not know it until they get to eternity and they are raised to that place where they are seated with in heavenly realms in Christ. They, they may never get knowledge of this until then. But for you who submit yourselves to the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, you can know this information. That's why this is exactly what Paul is praying for. So you can know, even while you're... You're on earth right now. You can know this information. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And we could continue reading about his incomparably great power for us who believe. So there's much to be known and revealed because the mystery, which is information that God hid. And I've, you know, when you look at this, 
you could say, well, what is the mystery? And you can't sum it up in just a few chapters. This is the, the Spirit is going to guide them into all truth. And they, there was much more information. And we, the, the, let the Spirit lead us into things that eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard. And neither have they entered into the heart of man. We just have to let him lead us into this information. You can't know what it is. Don't second guess God. Don't stop short of, uh, you know, think, oh yeah, I know this now, so therefore I don't need to look any further. No, <laughs> the levels of understanding until we can grasp how high and why and deep. And then we can be filled with all Oh, let's not forget that word. Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We can be there. On this side, before we get our resurrection bodies, that's possible. All it requires from you is humility, submission in this life. And obviously, God will... As long as you are here and that all things are possible, God willing, all of this is true. So this is important for us. So the Father's teaching, we already just read that. This is profound, right? He's, he's teaching this through Christ and through the spirit of truth. It's the meat of the word. If you're going to grow in grace and in the knowledge and to this information, which God calls the deep things of God, right? This is the meat. This is just like the Corinthians. We says I in First uh, Corinthians three after First Corinthians two, where it talks about all this stuff. In First Corinthians three, he says, "Well, I think I'll just read it. I know it's not in our notes, but let's just read it." He says, "Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ." Here it is. Here's the analogy. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. So this verse 2 sets up the analogy of why I tell you that this information is the meat, solid food of the word. You can't grow. <laughs> There's only certain, I mean, you can grow a lot on milk. That is true. I've seen babies double their size just by drinking milk but when it comes to growing up you can't live on milk you gotta have meat this is the meat do you think you understand the milk all right then it's time to progress on to the meat and i'm not saying you fully understand the milk but that all those boxes will be filled in and if you have the motivation to press on then you ought to be doing it don't just be hung up on the milk thinking, well, that's all there is. No, there's meat. We've been talking about a lot of it as we are progressing through these passages. So it is important. If you want to grow, this is the information that you need to assimilate. This is the information. And guess what? The information is about you. It's about learning about what God has made of you. That's all it is. It's about you. Point D. When we think about reconciliation, we think of Jesus as the mediator, bringing us to the Father for salvation. That's First Timothy two five. There is another reconciling to think of through Christ. The Father chose us for this unique calling from eternity past. The Son is our ground of reconciliation to this calling in time. Yeah. So there's really two reconciliations. One, we know about salvation. Right? Everybody should know about how we are reconciled to the Father. We're given eternal life and we will never perish. All of that. We are, you know, in Him. We have crossed over from death to life. There's a lot of ways we could say we are born again. What We are reconciled to the Father. We are ministers of reconciliation. But there's this other reconciliation that we should be aware of. 
and that is what I'm going to turn to the verses but as I'm turning there Ephesians 1 4 but that is to this new creation that God has made of us how far down the road are you reconciled to who you are in Christ what God has made of you what his intentions were from eternity past about you are you reconciled to that information about who you are so Ephesians 1 4 says for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight so there it is right uh, that's something that does not relate to salvation that is not salvation that is this unique calling he did not choose everybody he only chose some you are in that group because of the boundaries that I've discussed with you from Pentecost to whenever God catches the church up uh, in, from this world we call the rapture so you are in this time frame how did you get to be in this how do you have consciousness in this time frame because God chose you to be to live in this time frame God also has the choice to give life in every case and he chose to give you life during the time when he call is calling many sons into glory so as we think through these things we're seeing that the writers of scripture are coming from such a mature standpoint that sometimes we have to read it over and over before we catch on to what it is they're saying it takes time for us to allow these things to sink into our thinking and so then once you know even just the hard statements that we just read what Christ says that they may be in us just as you are in me and I am in you may they also be in us those are tough things to reconcile like what do they mean uh, you can't just dismiss this as well it's just normative it's not it's theologically diverse from everything that has ever been heard of or ever understood okay so um i think we're gonna have to probably tuck it in at this point because we got still a lot more to cover and we will not cover it all so let's just finish this one point we think about reconciliation right when we think about reconciliation we think of Jesus as the mediator bringing us to the Father for salvation there is another reconciling to think through uh, Christ the Father chose us for this unique calling from eternity past the Son is our ground of reconciliation that's why it says if any man be in Christ he's a new creation to this calling in time so the other scripture is 2 Ephesians 2 18 and it basically says for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit now who's the both first of all Jews and Gentiles <clears throat> if you look in the context it's what we're talking about it didn't say the Jews are ahead of us or and the Gentiles are behind no we both have the same access to the Father what do you mean to the Father why do we have access to the Father remember we talked about the only to whom Christ will reveal them and so forth it's exclusive before this no one had access to the Father but now what God is doing is there's a unique access that we have to the Father by one Spirit so this is part of the destiny that we have in Christ and it is incumbent upon all of us who are here under the sound of my voice to begin to assimilate these things to understand now obviously if you do you will be richly rewarded the judgment seat of Christ because you persisted even through the suffering that it will bring to you 
as a result of declaring these things openly in the world. Just as Christ suffered, so will you. Do they hated him? They will hate you. They persecuted him first? Just know they will also persecute you. So these are badges of honor that we can say we were, just like the disciples, we were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. He's our Lord. He paved the way for us. We will stop at this point. We will pick up here next week and we should be able to complete this verse. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Well, that'll be our fourth swing at it. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had. What an honor to be in your presence, to have access by one spirit. We thank you for the information. We thank you for your eternal purpose. We thank you for choosing us in Christ before time began. So, Father, as, as we live our lives in this world, and oftentimes we don't feel like these things that you have said about us can be true. How can we really be what you said we should be? But we know the capacity that we have is given to you, are given to us from you, so that we can be, we can take the place. Uh, that you have chosen for us, that we can grow in grace and in knowledge. We can fulfill the destiny that you planned for us from eternity past. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who has done and shown us the way uh, to do your will in this world. All that, all that we ask and say is because of him and his name. Amen. 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 Amen.